Welcome to the fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese here with you. Donovan Bennett is on assignment today. He will be back tomorrow as we get you set for what will will be a, a prime matchup tomorrow night between the Bengals and the Ravens. But we all know because it's a Thursday night, it's going to be a horrible game. That's just that's just how this works. Um, we had some breaking news earlier today. And, uh, well, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, I don't know how you feel about this, if I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah, like technical operator Lance Kennedy says, you come to expect bad news if you're a Browns fan. But it's more because I'm not sure if they're that much worse with PJ Walker than they are with Deshaun Watson at this point. But anyway, if you haven't heard, Deshaun Watson out for the season, displaced fracture in his right shoulder. That sounds like it hurts. Um, He played two and a half quarters in the game on Sunday against the Ravens with the shoulder injury and a high ankle sprain. Now, he played his best football with those injuries. And he he started out one of 11, and then he finished 19 of 23. It is absolutely bizarre to me. And so the question now becomes, what do we make of the Cleveland Browns at this point? It's P.J. Walker's team, essentially, which I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card to start the year. But that's where we're at. Um, let's get to our guest here. Adam Rank, NFL Network and the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank joining me here. And Mr. Rank, um, I was just, I wouldn't say waxing poetic about the Browns because they still managed to win games despite poor quarterback play. And my question is, how much different are the Browns with PJ Walker than they are with Deshaun Watson? I mean, outside of maybe, you know, Deshaun Watson has some big playability left in and maybe, but are they vastly different without Deshaun Watson at this point? Is Miles Garrett still available? Yeah. Okay, then we're good. Then I don't think that we need to worry about it. I, I think that they've shown over the over the first 10, 10, 11 games of the season that this is a defensive-led football team. And I know that Deshaun Watson carries a heavy contract. They sent a lot of draft capital to acquire him. But as you said, like, P.J. Walker has it's actually been no different. Like, it, it's been virtually the same. I wouldn't have even known. If you just didn't know... Uh, if you took the the names off the off the jerseys and you were just like, yeah, okay, they're just quarterback Browns, you know, like no big deal. Like you're playing Tech Mobile back in the day with QB Eagles. It's just QB Browns, and I, I don't think it matters. And I think that, I mean, I, to me, like losing Nick Chubb was a bigger loss, but then they found a, a little bit of a gem with Jerome Ford. So the Browns are still in a pretty good, pretty good spot. I, I think they're still going to be very competitive. Is it a Super Bowl team like PJ Walker versus Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game? I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the matchup you'd want, but I don't. You would have been at a disadvantage with Watson anyway, so I think it's. Uh, I, I think the Browns are right where they would be, whether they had Watson or not. Okay, so we just got some breaking news now as it pertains to the Browns. Uh, according to Jordan Schultz from Bleacher Report, uh, the Browns are actually starting planning to start Dorian Thompson Robinson 
at QB versus the Steelers this week. So I guess now the question is, are they that much worse with Dorian Thompson Robinson than Deshaun Watson? Because we saw him play against, I mean, albeit it's against the Ravens. I mean, maybe it's not that much easier against the Steelers who also can't score points, but boy, they can keep them off the board, generally speaking. Um, Are you kind of surprised by that? Because at least PJ Walker was kind of winning games. Uh, I'm not so certain that Dorian Thompson Robinson is the answer at quarterback right now. I am trying to figure out what this move is because I, I like him. I, I, you know, last year I was watching him play at UCLA and as somebody who roots for the Chicago bears, I thought, you know what? That's the kind of guy that I wouldn't mind backing up Justin Fields because he's kind of like a Kirkland version of Justin Fields. Like, okay. Yeah. He, he can run. He can get out of the pocket. He can make plays with his legs. He's got a pretty good arm. So the Browns took him, I I think was he fifth, sixth round pick something pretty late. And you know, I, Again, I think he's a good prospect. I think he he's going to end up being in the league for a long time because he does have some ability. But for a team that, you know, has ideas of winning the AFC North or advancing further in the playoffs, I think your best bet is just to take the safer route with P.J. Walker. And a lot of times when you get into situations like this, it's always tough, especially when you have a defensive-minded football team where, hey, we're going to win the games running the football and playing defense. You might as well settle on your quarterback. Because trying to flip-flop between the two, if DTR goes out there and makes a couple of bad plays or something happens, and he's a rookie, you know, he, he played, you know, at UCLA. It's not a, I guess UCLA has been pretty good since Chip Kelly's gotten there. But, you know, it's at the same time, like you're going with the rookie. I, I, Kevin Stefanski clearly knows more than I do. He's in the building. He sees them practice every day. But when I hear the news, when you just said that, it was shocking to me. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. The funny thing about all of this is that the the Browns had Josh Dobbs in their building this offseason and traded him before the season started. Now you look at it and go, Josh Dobbs would be the best option that also included Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he'd be their best quarterback regardless of who is injured or not. Yes. You know, it just goes to show you, like, again, like, maybe we can question Kevin Stefanski. Maybe he doesn't know more than us. <laughs> He's the one who let Josh Dobbs go. So, yeah, these things happen, you know, and I, again, it just shows you how difficult it can be to evaluate players, even at the NFL level, and guys will come out and surprise and be able to do some things and, and kind of not shock the world, but have these little miracle runs. Now, I will say this about Josh. I love Josh Dobbs. I don't want to say anything bad about it. I don't want to. I don't want to rain on his parade. I don't want to be the asteroid in his uh, in his disaster movie or anything like that. But once teams start scouting players, and this is what, and this will come back to the Cleveland Browns too, is like, okay, DTR could probably go out there and might make some things happen through the first couple of weeks, and it'll be good. You're like, okay, good. This was the right decision. Once defensive coordinators get tape on these guys, it becomes a completely different game. And you really have to find other things and other ways to be successful. And that's where I look at something like, you know, DTR, is he going to be able to do that? Is he going to be able to make those adjustments when the league starts to watch him? And the same thing goes with Josh Dobbs as well, who I love. Um, And I'm not saying that against his ability or anything, because he's obviously a very talented player, but you know, these these coordinators are pretty savvy as well. So it'll be interesting to see how these pass up. So yeah, Cleveland's got to be really uh, disappointed with a huge missed opportunity this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Speaking of savvy coordinators, Ken Dorsey got fired yesterday. Um, Mm. So 
as a Bills fan, I mean, I was kind of calling for this, but I was thinking about this on the way in today, and I was like, I got to ask Rank this question because it's it's shocking. It's not shocking to me that Ken Dorsey got fired. Um, what's shocking to me is that Ken Dorsey got fired before Matt Canada. Hmm. Yeah, so I know, guess, and, and, and I guess that's because of expectations, right? Like the expectations of the Buffalo Bills, where you're going to have this elite offense that scores at will and all that stuff. You've got a a Cadillac in the driveway with Josh Allen, whereas in Pittsburgh, it's like, well, we don't have all that stuff, so Matt Canada will do just fine. Well, at the same time, you know, I know the Bills have had a nice little run here for the last couple of seasons, but over the last twenty years, what who has been the more successful franchise? Like who has had the most stability? Yep. Who's in the playoffs year in and year out? It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now I know the Pittsburgh Steelers fans can be frustrated that they haven't won a Super Bowl every year, that they haven't won a, they haven't been on a run like the New England Patriots were during the Tom Brady era. But every season, I mean, Mike Tomlin's never, I know that people get sick of hearing this. Mike Tomlin, it's become the new, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Tony <laughs> Gonzalez, Tony Gonzalez played basketball at Cal. Uh, Mike Tomlin's never finished below 500. But it is a real thing. And the reason why is because they bring some stability to the franchise and they don't overreact. And I think, you know, part of the thing with Matt Canada as well is I and I and Pittsburgh might realize this is like maybe our quarterback not that great. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's what they're you know, Mike Tomlin's sitting there like, man, maybe he's not that great. Uh, but it's interesting because Sean McDermott is running out of people to fire. Yep. And now he's like, okay, so Leslie Frazier is uh, here at NFL Network doing his thing, and we don't know what happened there. Uh, Ken Dorsey. You know, when you look at some of the some of the numbers in uh, efficiency and some of the some of the nerd stats, as they love to call it, the Bills are still performing pretty well. Now Josh Allen's going out there and making some boneheaded plays. Oh, he looks like a banker I, with all those turnovers, man. Oh my god, it's I was hard to watch. It's uh, it's like watching Tim Tebow, where like, hey, my fantasy team's still crushing it, but this guy's <laughs> throwing pick. He's not doing anything. I know they got upset at me on the show yesterday because they're like, that was too far, and I'm like, okay, that was. I go, can I say Brett Favre without defrauding the people of Mississippi? <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I like that I, one. That's I pretty good. <laughs> okay, that one, that one's better. All right, that one's more fair. I just feel like, you know, at some point you got to look in the mirror, and I was worried about this coming into the coming into the year. Is that I thought that Buffalo's window had closed. Now, obviously, I do these these predictions, which have become famous or infamous. I make these picks in March, and people come back. Look at you! You got this wrong in March. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I forgot that PJ Walker was going to lose. Like, it's not like I've watched the season and I'm going back and reviewing it. I'm giving a projection. And so I thought that Buffalo wasn't going to be very good. I I didn't say they weren't going to be very good, but I thought they'd be right around nine wins. And the Bills fans did not love that at all. And they're like, what do you, I'm like, listen, like windows don't stay open forever. And if you don't take advantage of your opportunities, then those chances start to dwindle away. And there was always something about Buffalo that they just didn't seem to have the killer instinct. You yes. know, pa Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs have it. Uh, the Bengals have it. The bills just didn't seem to have it. And I thought that last year, even in the Hamlin game, you know, early on, like you could tell, like Cincinnati, you're like Cincinnati's controlling this game. Like Cincinnati's going to beat them. And they did in the playoffs as well. There was something about it. And so I know that they're trying to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic, trying to figure out what to do. And then I was like, who's the offense? Who's going to end up being? I didn't even, I forgot he was on the staff. It's Joe Brady. I'm yep. like, Joe, oh my gosh, Joe Brady. Like this is, this is your upgrade. I mean, Joe Brady 
unceremoniously dumped from his NFL jobs. There's a, you know, he, he, you know, there's a reason why he, at one point there was a, there was a brief moment in time where he was a, a, like this guy's going to be a, the next great NFL head coach. And then it's like, ah, you're the quarterback coach of the bills, which isn't necessarily the worst job in the world, but it's like, it's a far, it's a far fall. It's like when you see the kid who, uh, who's like a, who stars in a movie when he's in his twenties, like Josh Radner was Ted Mosby. And you're like, oh my God, this guy's going to be the greatest actor of our time. You're like, is he still in, is he still acting? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He probably is. Uh, he'll probably pop up in a movie here and there, but that's kind of what Joe Brady went through. And so now this is what the bills have to work with in a, in a stretch where they play their toughest games. They might not make the play. I know it's not a hot take. I don't even think to say they might not make the playoffs because currently they're the nine seed. Yeah, this is going to be a rough go for them. And I think that Sean McDermott could end up in trouble. And when we start, this is the fun part, man, is uh, starting to think about who, like, where, where is Ben Johnson going to go? Like, he's going to be the hot name. Like, he's going to have his pick of jobs. And then if you're Ben Johnson and you're like, hmm, do I want to go up and work with Josh Allen? Do I? Do I? Like, I don't know. Maybe this is the spot. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. But I think it's a it's a dire situation for the Bills. It it certainly is. And I, I went off on them yesterday because, you know, the the most frustrating thing as a fan and even and even someone who's just watching the games is you look and see every loss is by six points or less. And that's that killer instinct that you talked about. And, and I mentioned that yesterday. They don't, it's like they don't have the it factor. And part of that is the quarterback with uh, untimely turnovers, um, the offense in general with untimely turnovers, the defense, when the defense plays well, the offense doesn't play well. Like there's a lot of contributing factors to all of this. But I look at, I also look at this, like it felt like at one point in the Sean McDermott era that they did have that killer instinct when they just started out and he got them to the playoffs with, let's face it, a not very good football team. And you're like, okay, this guy's got maybe, you know, going back to the William and Mary days, maybe he's got a little Mike Tomlin in him. And you go, okay, this is good. But now that he's taken over play calling as the defensive coordinator, now he can't fire the defensive coordinator. So that scapegoat is gone. But I also look at the overarching theme of, is him calling plays taking away from him being the head coach and overseeing everything. And that for me is become a big problem because when he was calling plays with Matt Milano on the field, everything's fine because Matt Milano is a veteran. He's one of the best linebackers in football. And now you have him going, okay, now I got to relay plays to a second year guy in Terrell Bernard. And, and I, I'm so over, I'm overcompensating by looking at the defensive part that I don't see anything else going on. Like why do we have 12 men on the field? Um, I'm getting overzealous. Like, why am I calling a back-to-back zero blitz on the Broncos when they're not even in field goal range? Like, I feel like that part of the game is taken away from him being the head coach of this football team. No, absolutely. You know, I, I again, this goes back to early this year when Leslie Frazier parted ways with the team or took a step back. However, however, it was categorized. There was something about this team that I, I, I feel like you nailed it. Like, there is Sean McDermott leaving Ken Dorsey to his own devices, having to run the defense, not having the veterans, you know, losing like over the last couple of years, you know, there's been some attrition at Tremaine Edmonds, whether you think he's a great player or not, like losing players like that ends up taking a toll. And so these coaches that have to double as coordinators, it really sometimes backfire. I mean, it just, it's very difficult to work out. And for some coaches, they do it with great aplomb. You know, like Sean McVay, 
doesn't seem to have a problem. Kyle Shanahan does a very nice job. But at other times, you know, Sean McDermott seems like he's really struggling there. And there's, like you said, the lack of attention, uh, the, the, the lack of attention to detail. Like, it's inexcusable to have 12 players on. It's blocking a field. How often do you block a field goal anyways? If I run nine guys out there, it doesn't matter. And it that was one of the most frustrating ways to lose a football game. And I think it encapsulates everything that the Buffalo Bills have been feeling this season. And I don't, I don't see how you turn it around. And the great part about it is Stefan Diggs, his brother feels like he's taking it very well. And it's oh, yeah. being very encouraging. That was, that is a th- like, where do you think 14? I, I don't know. I like Stefan Diggs. I think he's a good player. I love when he pulls kids out of the crowd and does that stuff. And I know there's something about being a wide receiver or cornerback that because you're on an because you play on an island, you have to have a different mentality. You have to be a little selfish. Like when you want, like it's so difficult because you want receivers to have that that instinct to go and win the 50-50 balls. And the way you do that is that you have to have a selfish mentality. Like this is my football. Mm-hmm. And you have to go out there and win those battles. So it lends itself to being like, I always want the football. I'm always open. I always need it. And so that's cool. It doesn't help when your brother's out there getting a lot of wind in his jaw or wind in his fingers going to Twitter and tweeting like, stop it. Like you can't. And by the way, you, once you've gone to a couple spots, you gotta, you gotta stop doing that. You got You're now getting into Terrell Owens range of like, don't be this guy that jumps around at five different teams plays all over the, actually Terrell Owens was the good version of this where it's like, he was productive everywhere he went. He wasn't a problem. Even Jerry Rice had to go to multiple stops and we'll forget what happened in Seattle and Denver, but still had to go to multiple stops. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to start veering into Antonio Brown territory. You want to avoid that. Don't go full AB. You can be selfish. You can want to win the ball, but uh, don't go full AB. And that's another situation that could be looming for the bills. And I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, it's frustrating. And you know, what also is frustrating to me is like James cook runs the ball really well. Oh my God, Why are you pulling him off the field? I cannot stand it. I absolutely cannot stand it. Like, and again, this is the thing. Like, we're we're noobs. We don't know what we're doing. But we can we're see that he runs football. the ball really well. It's pretty obvious. What are, you, what are you What are you seeing on the sideline that all of us are missing? Yeah. Like, what have I missed? Explain it to me. I just want to. I want to be able. I think this would be a fun series. Is and I know that no coach would do this, but just to be able to sit down with Arthur Smith or Sean McDermott. I guess this would have been Ken Dorsey or whomever it is and be like, all right, explain it to me. Like I'm an idiot. And cause I am show me why James cook is coming off the field. Tell me why Bijan Robinson is not getting the ball. Like be that, like explain it to me. Like you're so smart. You know, everything just tell me it's so easy. Like if you don't have a defense for what you're doing, it's like having, when you have kids, like, why are you doing that? If your kid has a reasonable explanation, you're like, Hang on, yeah, I can't, I can't really argue with that. Like my kids were throwing rocks the other day and I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, there's a spider. And I'm like, all right, well, listen, I, I, I listen, it's, it's over. It's overkill, but I under, there's a process here. You're not, there was a spider, uh, confirmed spider. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like I understand, like we wanted to say, okay, that, that spider's not going to kill any, well, it's not going to kill a human being, uh, leave it be. Um, it's here. If you hate mosquitoes, it's here to kill those things. Um, if the process is fine, that's cool. But I don't know. I, I just want to know because it just seems baffling to me. 
Yeah, it, it is really baffling. Uh, Adam Rank, NFL Network, and the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank joining Matt Marchese here on the Fan Checkdown. So we talked about CJ Stroud last week, and um, I feel like I was ahead of the curve on the MVP talk because now that's all everybody's talking about on Twitter. CJ Stroud's going to win the MVP. It's like, well, okay. Um, we don't need to talk about the MVP thing because I think there's something more interesting here, and that is, I, what is it for you that separates? CJ Stroud from other successful rookie quarterbacks, because the one thing is we see a lot of, for me anyway, we see a lot of rookie quarterbacks come in and maybe it's the, the offensive design and they're trying to protect the quarterback, but there's a lot of short throws and it's a lot of dump offs to the tight end and to the running back. And, and that's fine to protect him. CJ Stroud's going out there and he doesn't care. I don't, I see your four yard pass and I raise you a 20 yard pass on a consistent basis. And the way that he puts touch on the ball is something that, I feel like we don't get a lot of from rookie quarterbacks. What is it for you about CJ Stroud that separates him from other guys? Oh, this is really difficult. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm probably reading too much into this because I remember last year I was doing hype videos for all these quarterbacks. Now, CJ Stroud is a guy that I've really liked for a long time, going back to his time at, at Rancho Cucamonga High School. He was a player, if you live in Southern California and you play high school football, and you're good like these guys. Bryce Young goes to Modern Day, which is a nationally recognized program that, you know, recruits at the high school level. And everything is just kind of like like offered to you. Like you're you go there, you go to Alabama, like your life is pretty good. And CJ goes to Rancho Cucamonga. He could have maybe, you know, his parents or his family could have moved to Corona and played at Corona Centennial. I know this is too nerdy for the Canadian audience. Like, I what, like shut it. Up, I used to, I used but, to watch uh, the, the QB one show. I like this stuff. Yeah. 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 So he could have like his family could have moved to Corona, like miraculously actually didn't he? it's Corona Centennial. They, you wouldn't have had to have moved. He could have, he could have driven in from Rancho Cook. It wouldn't have been like Toby Gearhart almost did this back. I don't know if you guys remember Toby yeah. Gearhart. Yeah. Um, his dad was the assistant coach at Norco high school. And which is North Corona, Norco High School. And he goes, if I don't get the job, I'm taking this job at Mission Viejo, which is the high school where Mark Sanchez went to. So that that high school would have had Mark Sanchez and Toby Gearhart oh, wow. uh, in their backfield, which would have been fun. But he but he gets the job. And so, like, this is the way, this is the incense, like, just the way this works. But C.J. Stroud stayed with his hometown team, played with those kids, wasn't getting recruited to anybody. And then somehow they, um, oh, my gosh, uh, Ty Whittingham brings him out to a camp in Utah or, or one of whatever camp that Utah is running. So Ty Whittingham's bringing him out to this camp and uh, you know, they're going to sign him. He's going to go to Utah. And then somehow Ryan day finds him Ryan day signs him. And then he goes out and has this great career. I don't know if this has anything to do with anything. I just think it's an interesting story, but this is a player who has had to really work for everything. And if you ever do, and if you know more about his home life, you understand like this guy did not come from a place of privilege and he's really just worked so hard. And I don't know if it's just a perfect storm of coming into a situation with zero expectations, an offensive system that we've seen work well with a lot of quarterbacks. You know, this is, this is Bobby Slowick, who's from the Kyle Shanahan tree from the Sean McVay, the Mike Shanahan, like all the way on up to Mike Shanahan. And it's a quarterback system that is designed, but you still have to go out and execute. And he's done it pretty well, and he's played fearless. And I, I think sometimes it's just the guy. Like, it's just the person. You know, you take people like Patrick Mahomes, who 
goes into a situation where Alex Smith was playing very well. Like Alex Smith, like good, good quarterback. Like there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. Patrick Mahomes is just different. He's just a better player. And I think that we can safely say that about CJ Stroud. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things that have worked to his advantage. Like, yeah, like it's good, like good system. Uh, his receivers are doing it. No, it, he's just a good player. And sometimes you have to give credit to that good player. And, you know, when we came into the season, I think we all thought, okay, Tank Dell might be a nice piece. And yeah, Nico Collins was, you know, he was a good player in college, but they're not, you know, and John Mechie, we'll see what happens after, you know, missing a year. Nobody thought that they were going to be able to do this. Like this guy's made no, and I don't want to say he's made Noah Brown, but Noah Brown wasn't this good before the last two weeks that we've seen here where he's had over 150 yards in back-to-back games. Like, see, I think the the other thing is too is like CJ Stroud could have gone into Cincinnati and absolutely folded. Like it's not an easy environment to go into. And all he did was throw for over 350 yards. And yes, he only had one touchdown. He had the interception runs in a touchdown. Like it's the poise for me and back to back weeks where he has led game winning drives in the last minute and a half. Like to me, that's not something that we see very often from, from, rookie quarterbacks and I think part of it is too is we need to start giving D'Amico Ryan some credit here for being a really good head coach because I don't think anybody saw the Houston Texans with five wins at this point in the season five wins overall in the season would have been a pretty nice yeah that's what the the line was I think yeah and it's funny if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you've got their first round pick and you're like you guys can't lose like the Cardinals were going into the season thinking like hey we might have the top two picks in the draft. Yeah. And uh it's it's not gonna happen for them. The Bears, maybe, but uh not with the not with the Houston Texans playing the way that they are. And I think it's been a huge shock. I thought that Carolina had a chance uh to be that kind of team to make a little run for it. You know, Frank Reich, experienced head coach, knows what he's doing. But yeah, it's been the it's been the Houston Texans. It's been a nice surprise. I asked Donovan this question yesterday. So of the basement dwellers that are, you know, not the Cincinnati Bengals, essentially, um, and maybe I, Denver's probably not in the conversation anymore. Like, who would you rather be? You know, you got the Bears with like 63 million in cap space. They've also got two first round picks, um, plus a quarterback that in theory they could trade if they wanted to. Um, and then you've got like the Giants are in that conversation and the Patriots and and Arizona has two first round picks and, and maybe they already have their quarterback in Kyler Murray. Like of those basement dwelling teams, who would you rather be? Cause for us, it was the bears and it was almost a yeah. no brainer because they have the cap space. They're also a historical franchise, which for some people in free agency, that does matter. Um, but they also have potentially the top two picks in the draft. And if they get the first overall pick, well, then they can trade Justin Fields as much as, you know, I'd like to see him succeed there. He still has value to somebody. Yeah. You know, and if you're one of those teams that played yourself out of the uh, quarterback sweepstakes, looking at the Giants, some team like that to be like, okay, then we'll, we'll be the team that trades for him. Or even if Justin Fields plays well enough that you are like, okay, cool. We're comfortable with this. Like maybe, you know, Justin Fields, uh, before he went down with his injury, he had eight touchdowns. In this for in in his final two full games that he played, he got injured in the middle of that Minnesota game. We don't know. He like that was a one score game with Tyson Bajan coming off the bench with no preparation. You can't tell me that Justin Fields couldn't have led a rally. And if he had rallied them, then these games against the Raiders, uh, against the the Carolina Panthers, he would have gone out again and had monster games. 
So if you go out there and you determine, and Justin will get his opportunity, if you determine that Justin Fields is the quarterback and you end up with that number one pick, the the draft haul you would get for the number one number one pick. Way more than you got last pick, year. <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, way more. And so this team could be set up for quite some time. So I think that both Chicago and Arizona, especially if Kyler Murray comes out, same opportunity for him to go out there and prove himself to be the quarterback of the future. I think both of those franchises have a have a chance or are in a much better shape because their quarterback position is conceivably if it if it's if it's still up in the air, you're still gonna have a draft pick to help you determine they go out there and, and settle that. And Matt, I hate they go, but I my kids are running amok. Yeah, I was gonna let um, you go anyway. I gotta, so <laughs> I gotta go. I listen, it's grandparents' day, so we gotta go do all that stuff. But uh Enjoy. thanks so much. It's been it's been it's been fun hanging out with you today. Always always a it's pleasure. Like, it, it's like having a play date and it's just the two of us. We don't, we don't need the third. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't mind having a third wheel, but it was nice having some, some alone time for the two of us. It's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. Get your kids off to grandparents day. I love it. Uh, and we'll talk next week, pal. Sounds good. Oh, by the way, can I say this too? Yes. Um, if you saw it, cause I mentioned this with, um, uh, my, 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 a what my, my youth soccer team, my 10 U team. You won. Uh, I saw that. We won. Yeah. Yes. Won. So very and, excited about that. And so. congratulations. You're a soccer guy Thank now. You. Oh, huge soccer guy. <laughs> enjoy uh, enjoy the I'm, champagne. I'm out a of the Keller trophy. Ted all of a sudden. Yeah. There Thank you, go. you so much. <laughs> there he goes. Adam rank from the NFL network and the sick podcast with Adam rank. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back uh, more conversations uh, as we look around the league, including are the Houston Texans, a threat to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC South. And when do we need to start having the conversation about Trevor Lawrence and that big ticket he's about to sign this coming off season. That's all with Brendan Deeg from the score and the double doink podcast. When we come back, Matt Marchese on the fan check down. We'll talk to you in a few. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese here with you. Donovan will be back tomorrow. He's on assignment. He's a busy man. So I will guide you and this ship the rest of the way home. All right. We got a lot to talk to with our next guest, Brendan Deeg from the score and the double doink podcast joining me here. Okay. So you, you obviously know the Deshaun Watson news. Um, I talked about this a little bit with Adam rank, so I'll I'll let you have a shot at this one. Um, How stunned are you that it's DTR starting Dorian Thompson Robinson and not PJ Walker this week? Cause I haven't seen anything about an injury. This one to me is a stunner. Um, I'm actually not surprised, to be honest. Matt. Really? Um, P.J. Walker hasn't really performed very well True. at all. If you look at just quarterback rankings or quarterback stats throughout um, for his uh, few starts and few times he's been on the field, he hasn't been efficient. He hasn't been good. Um, so Dorian Thompson Robinson, he didn't play well in that one start that he did have this year. So um, I think that's why everyone's looking at going, oh, my God, what, we're starting a six-round rookie. You didn't play well. I like Dorian Thompson-Robinson coming out of college at UCLA. Um, I think he did a very good job with Chip Kelly's offenses last year there. So I think he deserves a shot. Uh, and if you're a Browns fan, kind of what do you have to lose here? You go you see what you got in, in, your young, uh, in your young rookie quarterback and kind of move forward. But honestly, I, 
just kind of uh, outside this stuff. Like, I just feel really proud, bad for Browns fans. And waking up to that news this morning must suck, um, especially after kind of the way Deshaun Watson played in that second half. It's got to be uh, uh, Cleveland Browns fans over the last 20 years. It's probably been a tough ride, and it continues. Yeah, it's like being a Buffalo Bills fan, actually, in a lot of cases. Uh, speaking of which, um, you and I were texting last night. All right, I'll let you have your swing at the pinata here with the Ken Dorsey thing. Um, Joe Brady going in as the offensive coordinator makes sense because, well, he's there. Um, and let's not forget, Joe Brady was highly touted out of LSU, um, but he also had Joe Burrow as his quarterback. Uh, Jamar Chase is also on that team. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Terrace Marshall Jr. was also on that team. So it was a pretty good LSU offense that he got to run. Having said that, what difference, what changes do you think he can make? Not only on a short week, but in season, it's a hard thing to do. Like, what are the things that ails this this Bills offense? And how much of it is play calling? How much of it is, well, Josh Allen is trying to throw the ball too hard sometimes. So I was personally really shocked when I saw the news yesterday morning. Um, I, I didn't think that was coming. Like, usually this type of move, firing an offensive coordinator, firing a defensive coordinator, firing a head coach at the week 10 mark usually comes from a team that's one and nine, two and eight, three and seven, whatever kind of record you're out of the playoff push. Buffalo Bills are five and five and still trying to make the playoffs and they're firing their offensive coordinator um, after, after like not even 24 hours after your last game. To me, that just screams and reeks of desperation from that organization. I don't really know what changes Joe Brady can make. Like the offense is the offense. Like the, the playbook it's probably not going to change very much. It's not that Joe Brady has a, a book that he's been hiding of all these great play calls he's going to be able to run. You brought up his LSU time. Yeah, he was fine. He was really good at LSU. That was a historic offense. Joe Burrow broke, broke records. They won the national championship. It was a historic season. But let's remember here, he did go to the NFL. He did coach. He wasn't off the corner for the Carolina Panthers for about a year and three quarters. He was fired at the end of the 2021 season or midway through the 2021 season, sorry, um, uh, in Carolina. Now he did have like, kind of a wash Cam Newton. He had Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater's first year. So it wasn't that good, but the Carolina's offense under him ranked 29th in EPA per play in those, in those, um, in those games. So it's not like he was working wonders in Carolina when he was there either. So he hasn't had success in the NFL level. He's had success in college level. I just, I don't really know what he can really bring in and, and what change is going to make. I think the problem in Buffalo right now is the combination of Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, and Brandon Bean, and Ken Dorse is kind of a scapegoat in all of this. Um, the Bills' offense rankings so far this year are pretty good. They're eighth in points per game, second in EP per play, Josh Allen's fourth in quarterback rating, they're third in yards per play, fifth in yards per rush, second in third down or second and third down conversion, and third in red zone percentage. So they have been basically a top ten offense in every single metric you can look at this year. And the problem is the head coaching and the defensive side of the ball. Since week five, the Buffalo Bills are dead last in EPA per play on defense. We had stupid head coaching mistakes. Sean McDermott calling a zero blitz at the end of that game on the second time. One of the worst defensive calls I've ever seen. Um, And then you have the 12 men on the field. It kind of reminded me of the Great Cup, Matt. I don't know if you kind of got that from 2009. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of. Um, But, yeah, like that, that stuff can't happen. You're the head coach. You're in charge of the whole ship. You have to make sure that everything's in line here. You had plenty of time before that field goal, field goal to get everything right. And if that, if he doesn't call a zero blitz, and if he doesn't have 12 men on the field, he, Ken Dorsey probably has a job this morning. And making snap decisions like that to fire an offensive coordinator, like I said, not even 24 hours after a game, especially where the, in the situation the Bills are in, it's just screams of kind of like, like I said, desperation and just not a good, well-run organization. That's what bad organizations 
Dude, the, the Buffalo Bills roster in general just depleted right now. Uh, I brought that stat since week five. That's when Matt Milano got injured in Jacksonville. I don't think that's a very big coincidence that their defense fell off since then. Yeah, and the roster, like, Stephon Diggs is truly the only game changer on that offense right now. Your second option is a rookie tight end who's kind of just getting the feel of things. Don't think it's good. Don't get me wrong. But they're trusting, they're trusting a lot in him and making sure that he has to be a huge part of this offense, just kind of not really built well. And then – on the defensive side of the ball, you got guys like Vaughn Miller who has two combined tackles this year in the games he's played. I know he's, I, I know he's coming off the torn ACL and he's still kind of recovering, but he's making a lot of money. So the money spent across the, the roster right now is just not allocating to the right players. Like Jerron Johnson's making a ton of money. He's not kind of like a star that you want him to be. So just in general, it's kind of a, a, a broadly built roster right now with all the injuries. And Josh Allen and Sean McDermott just have to be better like that. That interception Josh Allen threw towards the end of the second half cost him the game. And that was just a poor, bad decision. There was absolutely nothing there. I don't know what he's seeing. He seems to make all these interceptions trying to throw over defenders towards the sideline. Um, and he's made that mistake so many times this year, and it's coming back to bite them now. He, Josh Allen's led the league in interceptions in every single year since he's entered the season 2018 and hasn't bit them yet because there's been explosive plays. Right now, the Bills are 15th and 25-plus passing yard plays, and that's the difference. They can't get explosive plays behind Josh Allen's turnovers, and that's the problem. And I don't think Joe Brady's going to fix that. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, speaking of the AFC East and quarterbacks, I want to get this one out there because this Mac Jones thing is is getting a little out of hand now. So uh, there's there's reports that he's lost the room. Um, apparently, his teammates are, are out on him he looks like a petulant child when things don't go his way. Like he really does strike me as the white collar quarterback with no skill. Like they're just, the skill does not add up to the attitude. Um, we, we don't believe that the, the Patriots have told him whether he's starting or not. At least he said as much yesterday. Um, there's no way that they can go back to Mac Jones after taking him out for the final drive in a game that they actually could have won over in Frankfurt. Right. No, he, they got they got to sit him down. I think you have to go with Bailey Zappi even after throwing in the triple coverage on the fake spike at the end of that game. But you're right, the Mac Jones era in um, in New England is coming to an end here. Um, he's 30th out of 32 qual- qualified quarterbacks in need paper play. It's just not working this year. He's making bad decisions. That interception was truly awful at the end of that game. Like that's a throw that you cannot make as a starting quarterback. And just in general, Matt, like the New England Patriots right now are, are going down fast. Like it's a dumpster fire to say the least. I don't know if you saw the Jack Jones stuff. Um, he oh, was yeah. waived. Yep. He was waived this week. And then the previous week before him and JC Jackson were benched for being, uh, for missing curfew at a team hotel on Saturday, the, the previous week against the Washington commanders, Jack Jones liked the tweet on Twitter from a guy saying to him that he should have pled guilty to the gun charges that he got in June. And Jack Jones basically applying that he would rather be in jail than play for the New England Patriots right now, which is insane. Like everything is just falling apart there. Um, I think we're watching the end of the Bill Belichick era. They could maybe squeeze out one or two more wins here, but they're probably looking at like a three and 14, four, four and 13 record at the end of this year. And then what do you do? I personally don't trust Bill Belichick and I'm assuming Patriots fans don't trust Bill Belichick to develop another young quarterback because they have to go get one and look what happened with the last one they drafted Mac Jones is just regressed 
since his rookie season. So I think changes are coming in New England, and they're kind of a big storyline to watch down the stretch. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a, an absolute nightmare, though. And then they're going to end up somehow getting Caleb Williams. Like, we know that's happening, right? <laughs> Bill Belichick is bad for the first time, and then off we go. Here you go, Caleb Williams. Um, I think the New York Giants might have something to say about that right now, but you're right. Those are two of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Jags and specifically how – the Texans like, so the Jags come off a five game winning streak. They come off the bye, they get the Niners and they get absolutely torched at home. And you know, Houston's playing really well right now. CJ Stroud is playing at an entirely different level. Do you think that Houston is a legit threat to the Jags in the AFC South? Because guess what? They're only one game behind right now. And, and the offense is absolutely rolling in Houston. Oh, 100%. I fully believe that they're a, they're a threat to the Jaguars in that division. That, that loss is really disappointing. If you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, um, that, that Week 10 game uh, did not kind of uh, cool, your, uh, cool your concerns with this roster. Um, they got smothered. Uh, Trevor Lawrence sorry, got smothered in that game. He was, uh, there were four and a half sacks total, um, or sorry, five sacks total in that game. The, old, the, the 49ers only blitzed on 8% of their dropbacks in that game and got pressure on 31%. That just can't happen. Like, if you're, if you're if the opposing team is not blitzing, you can't just block the four guys rushing at you. You're not going to have success right now. Um, they, they can't run the football either. They're 28th in EPA per play rushing the, rushing the ball right now, so they have absolutely no run game. The offensive line isn't holding up. And Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, so Press Taylor is the offensive coordinator there, and Doug Pearson, the head coach, they're just not do. Uh, they're not just manufacturing a well-run offense right now. They can't get anything deep. It's constant quick throws, and they don't have the playmakers on that offense to kind of run that style of offense. Like Calvin Ridley is their best weapon. He's kind of not good in those short, uh, quick throws. They don't have any kind of dudes that can kind of make plays in space. So this offense needs to push the ball down the field. And if you can't hold up on the offensive line, then there's nothing you can really do. So. I personally think Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, is doing a really bad job. He was in Philadelphia for all those years with Doug Peterson. When they made that hire, I really wish that Doug Peterson went outside the box and brought some new eyes in, and I was kind of disappointed that he kind of brought the band back together, brought Press Taylor back, who failed with him in Philadelphia as well. So um, I'm worried about the Jaguars. I, I'm not like fully out on them as like a contender, but that was a really bad performance, and they have to play better. And Trevor Lawrence has to play better as well. Like he has to, uh, he has to elevate this roster and it's just not happening right now. And then the Houston Texas side of things, like everything's going well. That was a huge win against Cincinnati. CJ Stroud is playing out of his mind. The one, the thing that I'm really impressed about with CJ Stroud this year, is just his ability to kind of throw the ball down the field. Like he has 1,513 yards on throws of 10 plus air yards this year, which leads the league by a lot. Like the flick of the, like his watching him, like, his ability to just like flip the wrist and, and the throws go deeper than you think. Like it's it, it blowing my mind every single week. And with you have a quarterback playing like that, well coached unit, like um, D'Amico Ryan's getting a lot of that defense. Bobby Sloak, the offensive coordinator, is doing a hell of a job there. Like Noah Brown has turned into a star. Like everything is just working for them. So yeah, if you're a Jaguars, then you got to be threatened by the Houston Texans right now. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned Trevor Lawrence and how he's playing because he's very close to being eligible for an extension. And, you know, I know that every, as long as you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, generally speaking, you get an extension and, and you know, it's, it's a big one. Uh, we saw that with Daniel Jones, Trevor Lawrence is going to get well over what Daniel Jones has got. And I'm not certain that he is worth paying, you know, what the elite quarterbacks are paying. Like he's not getting Joe Burrow money. He's not getting Lamar Jackson money. Like he, I understand that, but he's going to get 
$48 million a season. And what he's shown this year is he hasn't been able to carry the offense like we thought he might be able to. Um, he's he's turning the ball over at, at, a, at a high rate as well, which we we're also surprised at. Like, where do you think these negotiations go with Trevor Lawrence? Because this is a big one for the Jags, believe it or not. Yeah, if, if I'm Trevor Lawrence's agent and when contract negotiations kind of come up, I'm asking for the Joe Burrow contract. Like, you have to, right? Like, if, if um, Deshaun Watts is making that type of money and uh, you've got a bunch of quarterbacks up there that are kind of in Trevor Lawrence's um, play, like how good he's been, I think you, you have to give him that contract. And if you're Jacksonville, you have basically no other option but to give him his demands and what he's asking for. He's the golden boy. He's the guy that's supposed to save his franchise. I know it's not going that way right now, but when time does come, I think Trevor Lawrence will make probably, he'll probably be the end of probably be the highest paid quarterback story in the NFL. Unless he completely falls off a cliff. Like I don't expect his play to go into like a 20th or 30th quarterback range in the NFL. But right now he's kind of middling out. He's kind of in that like no man's land of 12 to 18th best quarterbacks from all the metrics right now. Um, and yeah, he has to play better, but when it does come to the contract, I'm, I'm assuming he'll probably, uh, he'll probably make a boatload of money. He'll back up that bridge truck. So, um, You've seen this player at least a couple of times. And, you know, I wanted to talk about Sam Howell because people do forget that Sam Howell was the consensus number one quarterback going into his draft year. And it wasn't Kenny Pickett. And he has a bad year at North Carolina because the offensive line was dreadful. He was running for his life basically the entire year, which I guess set him up for success with the Washington commanders because, well, he's used to it. Uh, but now you look at him, a fifth round pick. He's, he's leading the league in passing yards. He's thrown 17 touchdowns, all while taking the most sacks in the league. Like is Sam Howell for you, the real deal and the future at quarterback for the Washington commanders or do you think, you know, when there's a coaching change, which there probably will be, Ron Rivera will be gone. Maybe it's Eric Bieniemy that gets the job. Has Sam Howell shown you enough that you look at him and say, this guy's legit, and if he had an offensive line, he'd be scary? I don't know. Like, I'm not there yet to say, like, he's 100% like worth the starting quarterback job next year. Um, but you can't deny his play right now. He's playing out of his mind. Over the last three games, he has 1,034 passing yards, eight touchdowns two picks, 102.4 passer rating. He's now the eighth player in NFL history to have four games of 300-plus passing yards in their first 11 games. That The last people to do that were Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert in 2020. He's now fifth in NFL history um, for the most passing yards to start his career through 11 games. So, like, that's undeniable. Like, he's playing out of his mind. You brought up the offensive line. Like, I, I made this joke, like, a couple weeks ago. Every time I turned on red zone, I felt like Sam Howell was getting sacked in that Giants game. Like, the offensive line just can't hold up. Um, but it's undeniable right now. Like this is a really tough call for the next. Like you, you, you said it correctly. Like they're going to fire on there. They're going to clean house there. They're probably going to get a new general manager, new front office. Everything's going to be different in 2024. And then whoever's coming in there has to make the decision. Like, do we go try to find another quarterback? And the Commanders are kind of in that spot right now where they're probably going to get like the eighth to fifteenth, eighth to sixteenth overall draft pick, and that's kind of in quarterback no man's land, especially in this draft. Like, there's two really good quarterbacks. And Drake May and Caleb Williams. And then after that, it's kind of like, all, I'm assuming a lot of evaluators don't really know who's the third quarterback yet. So there's kind of a lot up in the air there. And if you're in that middle range of the draft, it's very hard to find a quarterback and develop it. And then if you already have Sam Howell there, might as well roll with him. So it's all signs of pointing to him being a starter in 2024. I'm not like 100% sold on him as being like a top 12, top 15 quarterback, but uh, he's playing really well. It's been really impressive. He deserves a lot of credit 
for what he's doing. And he's probably the most exciting quarterback that the uh, Washington Commanders have had in a long time. Like, it's been quarterback purgatory there for a while. So I'm assuming Commanders fans are just happy to see someone competent back there right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty good. Like, I- I've been, been very impressed with Sam Howell this year. Uh, Brendan, thanks as always for taking some time, buddy. Always appreciate it. And uh, enjoy what hopefully will be a good Thursday night. The matchup is good, uh, but usually they disappoint. So I'm not getting my hopes up here. And hopefully you aren't either. Thanks, Matt. And it's funny because I was like, I worked yesterday. We were tracking Taylor Swift concert tours to see if she was there. That's what my life has come to now. Um, and it looks like she could be in attendance on, on Monday night. So uh, should be a fun game. But, awesome. uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. Appreciate you. There you go, man. Uh, Brendan Deke from the score and the double doink podcast. Always enjoy having Brendan on. Well, we are only hours away from the Thursday nighter. We will have a a full preview of that tomorrow on the show. And before we wrap up here, I just want to talk about this Browns thing because, you know, we talk about the evaluation of the quarterback position and the contract that went out to Deshaun Watson and all of that stuff. But man, oh man, and I mentioned this with Adam Rank, the Browns have got to be kicking themselves for letting Josh Dobbs basically walk out the door for nothing to go to the Arizona Cardinals, who then moved him to the Minnesota Vikings, and they actually look like they're going to make the playoffs. With Dorian Thompson-Robinson starting and P.J. Walker as the backup, they're going to bring in a third quarterback, there's no doubt, but I cannot imagine that this is going to be easy sledding here for the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns fans, I feel for you because as a Bills fan, I know exactly what this feels like. And I apologize. That's going to do it for us here on the fan check down. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Hit subscribe on the podcast. Leave us five stars. Let us know how we're doing. All that fine stuff. Thanks to Lance behind the glass. Matt Marchese signing off. Donovan will be back tomorrow as we get you set for the Thursday nighter. You've been listening to the fan check down on the Sportsnet radio network.